you all. Just greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are on the internet. Those are at Cloverdale. We just welcome you this morning. Amen. Let's sing the song 911, Justified, Justified. We don't have words yet this morning, so it's going to have to bear with us. Amen. I was sitting alone and wondering about what I'm supposed to do. Can't deny the times I've made mistakes. I can't hide from him. He knew, but I know that deep within my soul. First. 
beautiful faces of your bride. We're so thankful for that, Lord. We go through many times of oppression. Times when we maybe even question ourselves, Lord. But we're so thankful that you're merciful. The song we just sang means so much to us, Lord Jesus. By the shed blood of the Lord Jesus who covers all of our sin. We're so thankful for that, Lord. We just give you honor and praise. We pray today, Lord, that this service would be special to each one. We believe it well. We pray for the ministry. We pray for them. And to just be open up, Lord, and you would speak to us as we need it so well. Thankful, Lord Jesus, for your love. We pray for every need, those unspoken needs, whatever they are, Lord, those that are sick and afflicted. Lord, we need you. But we're so thankful for the victory we have through the name of Jesus Christ. I ask your blessing on this day and this service in Jesus' name. Amen. has a special for us. Let's just sing, uh, pour your spirit out on me as he comes. It's nice to see you, Brother Josiah. Come back to town. Amen. Oh, pour your spirit out on me. this morning. It's good to be here. Amen? Amen. We'll get this going in a second.
was working for the sound check, I promise. figure this out we'll just we'll just sing uh, the verse to pour your spirit out on you this song over the last couple months, and um, I was going to sing a different song this morning, but then I texted Brother Ryan and said, hey, I've been thinking about this song, and he said, oh, I was just singing it the other day. Good choice. So I hope it is a blessing. I think the last time it was sung was probably Abigail, you, and um, the O'Brien sisters, and you guys back in the day, so. Looking for answers. Need a way out. You've been trapped in that trial, full of sorrow and doubt. You saw a trickle of sunlight, but you found no escape. Just hold on to his promises 
said that he'll make a way he'll make a way in the middle of nowhere when it seems no one really cares he's there by your side oh and he'll make a way when you feel Satan closing don't you give up don't give in he'll make a way right on time standing at the Red Sea with no place to go army was closing in they'd soon overthrow oh but right out of nowhere there came a mighty strong hand oh he rolled back the waters and he made a way out again Oh, he'll make a way In the middle of nowhere When it seems no one really cares He's there by your side Oh, and he'll make a way He'll make a way right on time. Oh, he'll make a way. Sing it with me. seems no one really cares oh he's there by your side there by your side he'll make a way when you feel Satan closing don't you give up don't give in he'll make a way right on time let's sing that once more Away. It's in the middle of nowhere When it seems no one really cares He's there by your side Oh, he'll make it away When you feel Satan closing to give up, don't give in. He'll make a way right on time. And 
stretches the heavens like curtains before him. Word is forever His 
You believe that this morning? Let's worship Him. Who is like unto our God? Oh, who is like unto our God? Who is like unto our God? There's no one before Him. Yes, Lord. like you. Your love is unfailing. Your word is forever. Oh, blessed be the name of the Most High. We lift up your name, oh God. The name of Jesus. Name above every name. Holy. Worthy. Glorious. Hallelujah. 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 You can't help but praise him when you see him truly as he is. There is no one like our God. There's no comparison. It's not even close. The devil doesn't come near. The world's God. The world has a God. He's the God of this evil age. And he's nothing in comparison to our God. Our God speaks and it happens. Amen. He, just, he can just come by your way and give you an answer this morning. Just speak a word that will so change the trajectory of your life. He can just give you something that will just answer every situation. That's our God. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's a wonderful atmosphere here. And I want to greet each and every one. Greet the saints that are streaming at Cloverdale. We've done that. And uh, it certainly is and can be a great atmosphere there as much as it's a great atmosphere here. And uh, good to see everyone that is gathered here. It's a wonderful atmosphere. We could just go on, go on singing, couldn't we? This is just wonderful. We thank God for this. And we just want to greet everyone in Cloverdale and greet everyone that's streaming on the internet. We are living in strange times. I'm glad the border's open that I could come down and go back and we thank God for answers to prayer and uh, 
We want to just continue to do that. Next week, uh, we'll be having communion. Uh, in, we'll be serving it in Cloverdale, but we'll also be serving it here. And I threw Brother Jeff can make a rough estimate as to numbers and everything that's going to be here as the deacons are ready. I, I, I know that uh, the deacons always want to just hit it just right, especially with the bread, you know, because it's either eat the bread or burn the bread afterwards. You, you have, don't have much of a choice after you have communion. So, you know, they want to hit it just right so they don't want to eat a lot of bread afterwards. So, you know, we don't waste the communion. We don't throw it in the garbage is what we're saying. You know, there's a, something that you do with it. So uh, we just want to partake together. We'll be streaming, uh, Zooming or whatever you call it between here and Cloverdale. And we'll have a wonderful communion service together. Amen. And uh, there will be the deacons here also. There will be ministry present, I understand. And that will be at 4.30. 4.30 next Sunday. Uh, we'll call it evening. also want to say, thank you, musicians. That's all the singing we'll do. I should let you take your seats. I also want to say that uh, we just uh, have printed the latest Believer's Faith Challenge Report. And that is available. I didn't bring any down with me today because I didn't want to have to go through the commercial line. And so you'll excuse me, but it will be mailed to you here in the United States. And those of you that are streaming up in Canada, you can get one this morning on the back table in the hallway. And uh, they're at the office there in Cloverdale. And they're available now for you to read. Uh, one great announcement is that the entire message in Spanish has been finished. Praise be to God. So the translators in the working together, and we've got the whole story in here. Uh, Brother Eli Ortiz has run the project and, and uh, received support from Brother uh, Paul Baker and Brother Paul LaFontaine. And, and uh, they worked for many years, and now they're entirely done. So the message in uh, uh, Spanish and in French is completely done. And I know there's other languages that are getting close. And I won't say anything about those at this time. We'll wait for the great announcement at that time. But you'll want to read about it in the Faith Challenge Report. I guess I have one copy of any here. If anybody wants to fight over that, you can, you can ask see me about that later. Amen. Good to see all the Canadians that are here. If you're from Canada, if you live in Canada, raise your hand. And it's just, uh, oh, that's a good number, a goodly number. God bless you, and good to see each and every one of you here. Brother Sam, I, I'm sorry I didn't see you here sitting at the front. We got a deacon right at the front here. He just fit right in with the young people uh, that are sitting here at the front. So <laughs> God bless you. I didn't notice the gray there. And uh, uh, <laughs> Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Amen. Are you happy this morning? I want to. I've been pondering a subject for some time, and uh, really since since I've been in Africa, and uh, we'll just maybe go into it. And you can hold your Bibles. 
uh, close to you because we'll be turning to a number of scriptures uh, in due time, in due season. And uh, uh, I want to speak on the meekness of perfect faith, the meekness of perfect faith. And, and so it brings a, a connection there in these last days. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, we find the words of Jesus. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we approach your word, we want above all to yield ourselves to you. We want, Lord, to be completely surrendered into your hands, knowing, Father, that the humanity of mankind causes us to make mistakes. But if you can come by the quickening of your Holy Spirit, even as Brother Tom read on Wednesday night, if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in us, it shall quicken our mortal bodies. It shall bring our bodies subject to the word of God. We don't want, Lord, what the flesh wants, and neither do we ask this morning according to the flesh. For even James says that, Lord, if we ask according to the flesh, we ask amiss, heaping it upon our own lusts. But, Lord, we want that you would have the preeminence this morning. You who are the discerner of the thoughts and intents of every heart, Father, may you just now move through this congregation here in Cloverdale, on the internet, wherever it might be, we counted as one congregation. I might not personally feel the pull, but you feel the pull, Lord. And Lord, may you meet the needs. There might be somebody that's crying out in their heart, like maybe the woman at the well. Lord, when you were in Israel, you felt that pull in Israel all the way to Samaria. And Lord, you said, I need to go by Samaria. Maybe you need to go by someone's house today. Maybe you need to go by someone in Cloverdale today or someone in Washington State here, Lord. We just want to commit ourselves into your hand and say whatever way, Father, you want to lead, help us to be surrendered to that. As we commit this service now to you, we ask your blessing upon the word, upon the speaking and the hearing of it, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. Do you love the Lord? Yes. Amen. The, the acoustics are just a little bit different in here than they are at Cloverdale. So, and I'm plenty hot up here. Uh, so if you have some monitor, I'm not sure where I'm hearing it from. There we go. That's a little bit better. Thank you. And, uh, uh, you know, we want to just enter into what the Lord has for us this morning. Here's Jesus in the scripture. You know, and he says, and let me just emphasize, this is God in flesh. This is the Word made flesh. You know, when we talk about the Word that bled for you, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, how, how that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that Word which became flesh gave its life for us. Amen? that we might be redeemed by the blood of the word or the blood of God. 
Now, whether you say the word or you say God, you say the same thing for the word was God. And so we realize now here's God walking in flesh, the word manifested in the fullness in flesh. And he says now to us, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now, I know I'm speaking on meekness, but I want to just emphasize a couple of words here. Firstly, he says, learn of me. What is he saying? Be instructed. All right. Be, be receiving of understanding. Let something come to you. And when, you, when this comes to you, it'll give you rest in your souls. All right, it's not something that will, it's not like the learning of the world. It's not like philosophy full of questions and full of, you know, the ideas of man. But no, when you learn of him, when you're able to receive who he is, when you're able to receive a revelation of Jesus Christ personally to yourself, it shall bring rest into your souls. Can you say amen to that this morning? So here was a man walking by perfect faith in what the word had revealed to him that he was. Is that right? That's what Jesus was. His brother Branham said in the message, perfect faith. He walked by perfect faith in what the word said he was. And he also exclaims or declares that that's our calling as the bride of Jesus Christ. Your calling is to walk by perfect faith in what the word says you are. Are you with me? You know, your, your calling, your, your very purpose in life, your very, the very thing that God has given to you is to, is to be molded into this image. As Brother Tom spoke on Wednesday night, I enjoyed that service on Wednesday night and how he spoke about being conformed to the image of his son. You know, he, he, those who he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. All right, that was the second Adam. And that's the place of the second Adam as he's walking upon the earth. And he says, I'm walking by perfect faith. They had trouble understanding who he was. All right. Now he says, I want you to understand. I want you to learn of me. I want you to understand me. I want you to understand who I am. I want you to understand that I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I want you to understand that in me is the atonement. I want you to understand that in me is that which will take away all your sin, past, present, and future. I enjoyed the drive down. How many drove down from Canada today? How many drove down today? Some of you maybe spent the night here. All right. You know, I enjoyed the drive down from Canada today because I got to listen to a message. I was listening to Hebrews chapter 7, Brother Branham preaching on it, and, and he was speaking about perfection be perfect and how that we must be perfect and we can't get to heaven that unless we're perfect. But then he said, he says, if you did nothing wrong in your life, if you never looked at any evil thing, if you never said any evil thing, if you never done any evil thing, he says, you're still not perfect. He says, that's not the perfection that he's talking about. He's talking about a, a receiving of the atoning work of the blood of Jesus Christ. That when you get a revelation, how can you receive the blood of Christ? We don't have the literal blood, but the life that was in the blood is loosed by faith. And when by faith you receive the life of the blood, the quickening power within your life, that makes you perfect in the presence of God. Amen. The blood has cleansed you of all sin, past, present, and future. Amen. We thank God for that. Those of us that have a past, we say it's all under the blood. 
Amen. We're so glad. And that's why even as young people raised within the message of the hour, you have to understand you can never make a mistake. You could go through life never making a mistake. You can think what's right. You can act what's right. You can do what's right. And I'm sure most of you haven't. But just in case there's one here that has, it says, well, I've been raised in this message and I've lived just exactly right without the blood of Jesus Christ. Brother Bradham used these words. He says, you're as black as the smutty walls of hell. My, we don't want to be there. Jesus says, learn of me. Amen. Learn who I am. Learn that I'm the lamb of God. Learn that I've come to take your sin away. Learn that the mighty God has come down in your midst. Understand what I have done for you. And as we sang that song, there's no one like him. Amen. His word is unending. His love is unfailing. Amen. We begin to learn of him and we can't help but worship him. We can't help but lift up his name and glorify his name in this end time. Amen. And so here the second Adam was walking by this revelation. And this is the place that he wants to take the second Eve. That's you. This is where he wants to take you. Perfect faith in what the word says you are. Amen. This is the place that the revealing of the word is to take us. It's the purpose of God's atonement. Many people get a snippet of the purpose of God. Luther got a snippet of it. The just shall live by faith. And down through the ages, they've had different... parts, church ages, Christ has been standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks through the ages, according to Revelation 1. He's been in the church, in the seven church ages, but it's been a partial revealing of the atonement that was paid at Calvary. But now as we come down to the last age, we call it the end time message. We call it Malachi 4, we call it Luke 17, we call it Revelation 10, we talk about all these scriptures, we go Acts chapter 4 in the time of the restoration of all things, we can talk about all of these things, but what does it mean to be in this hour? What does this message mean for you personally? And I'll just, if I sum it up in one sentence, it would be that it's the fullness of all that Christ is revealed in our day, all right? So it's not just uh, uh, a partial now. It's not just justification or, or sanctification added to justification or the gifts of the Spirit added to sanctification and justification and peace is restored. No, it's all that Christ is now revealed in our day to bring us to all that we are. All right? This is God's redemptive purpose. But I'll, 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 so now the reason I, I use the word second Adam and second Eve, because in these last days, as God is bringing his wife, his bride, the second Eve into her position, her position means all that Eve lost in the beginning. Are you with me? It's not just living an overcoming life. But now we're living in the hour where the word being opened, 
what was previously hidden is now revealed. And the book that has been opened. Now I have to just take this slowly because sometimes terminology can confuse us. It's not confusing, it's simple. What Adam lost in the beginning, our inheritance, went back to God. It's called a book, the Lamb's Book of Life. It's called the title deed, all right? It's not a title deed, it's the title deed, all right? And, and the cry went out in Revelation 5, who's worthy to redeem the book? And we know the story, how that the Lamb steps forward. But now the Word of God is not fully open unless those seven seals are revealed, okay? There's, a set, there's seven seals or seven mysteries that are hiding the true meaning of the word of God. Or I won't say true meaning, rather full meaning. The full meaning of the word of God. We know it always was a truth that Jesus died for your sins. Amen. Luther had that. Wesley had that. But what did it really mean to die for your sins? What does it really mean to be redeemed from your sin? What it really means is that there is an inheritance reserved in heaven for you. That all that Adam lost is yours. And you're meant to come to the fullness of it. And you're blessed because you're living in the day when the church, the bride, comes to the fullness of her inheritance. Amen. That's the glorious part of the hour that we're living in. It's not something that, that oh, well, you know, it's, uh, this is just a furtherance of justification or this is just a furtherance of sanctification. No, it's much, much greater than that in that everything that God hid in the word of God, because Brother Branham said anything in those seven seals has to be contained in the word. All right. So anything that was hid in the word of God was hidden under these seals. Stay with me for a moment. This isn't my subject. This is just my foundation. And, and so it's hidden there in the word of God. And we know that the book of Revelation is the book of symbols. Okay. So that when it says in the Revelation chapter 5, a lamb, it says in the Revelation chapter 5, a book. It says in Revelation chapter 5, seven seals. All right. When it says these things, these are symbols. These are representing something. And it's representing that there are names written before the foundation of the world. This is the part of the mystery that God had in his mind that he would reveal in the last days. All right. It, it, there, are, there are names written in that book, and but they are sealed with seven seals. And the opening of the book is the unsealing of these key mysteries of God to bring sons and daughters of God back to the truth of who they are. That we're not cogs in a church, in a system. We're not religious. We're not just pagans worshiping God. We're not just human beings trying to figure out who God is. No, we are the predestinated attributes of God himself. We were in his mind before the foundation of the world. And we are being washed by the water of the word from our spiritual amnesia. 
All right. Now, let me just say, it's about a rapture, but it's about much more than a rapture. All right. The rapture is just, is just a change from this dimension to another dimension. All right. It's just the quit, the changing of our mortal bodies. That's the, the culmination of it all. But the title deed, the inheritance has been redeemed and given back to us so that we have it right now. Are you with me? This is important stuff, isn't it? You know, that we have this title deed right now. Then that means all that Adam and Eve lost is yours. It's already yours. One of these days, it's going to change our mortal bodies. But what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden is yours through the revealing of the word, the message of the hour. It takes us back now. And this is where I say it's about a rapture, but it's about more than a rapture because I wouldn't know how to have a true marriage without this message. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality of it. There's a lot of cults and isms and culture and family ideas about what a husband and wife is, but the revealed word takes us back to what a true husband is and what a true wife is. Can you say amen to that? All right. It's the revealed word of the hour that takes us back to true order in the homes. It takes us back to true order in the church. It takes us back to the mind of God for all of these things because this is what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. It takes us back to perfect faith. It takes us back to perfect love. It takes us back to all of those things. And I say back because that's what they had in the Garden of Eden. And when by the word of God you let the Holy Spirit apply those things in your life, the atmosphere that they had in the Garden of Eden, which is an atmosphere of life, is the atmosphere that we create around us, which is that token atmosphere Brother Branham was talking about. He says, where if you create that atmosphere by perfect faith, or I'll say by a complete obedience to the word of God, then that creates that atmosphere that others come into that atmosphere and they are affected by it. Why? Because the word has become alive in you. You're a son or daughter, an attribute of God, a manifestation of God in these last days upon the earth. You're not going to change this civilization. This civilization is going to be destroyed, but you're called to create an atmosphere. Amen. You're called to live the word around you. You're called to change. That's why sometimes people don't want to be around you because they're an attribute of God and they don't want to be convicted. Their flesh is telling them, get away from that atmosphere. Listen, sometimes that happens. I've had people, I've had young, there's a young man up in Grand Prairie, run away from God, the son of one of the families up there, run away to another city, run away from God's dealing in his life. You know, he would come home for Christmas sometimes and his siblings would say, why don't you come to church? He says, I don't want to come to church. He says, because when brother Tim preaches, I just cry. He says, I can't help myself. He says, it's just something when I get in that atmosphere, it just breaks me down. I don't want to be there. But one day, God got hold of him. Amen. You can run all you want. You can run away from it. You know you're an attribute of God. 
You know the word of God is true. You know it's a reality. You know the presence of God is dealing with you. And maybe there's somebody listening to me this morning that realizes that you just need to surrender to God and say, Lord, show me who I am. Let the word of God become alive in my life. Let it quicken my soul and bring in subjection my mortal body. So Brother Branham says in the breach message, he says these words about the title deed. He says, it's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve. Now I'm going to ask you a question. How many believe that the lamb has redeemed the book? How many believe that? How many actually believe that? We're living in that day that that's what happened in 1963. The lamb took the book, redeemed the book. All right. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe it was an idea. I don't think it was a prophecy. I think it was a reality of a prophet on earth announcing what was taking place in heaven. That's the way I see it. And I believe that with all of my heart that it changed the attitude of God towards his people and his people towards God. And because of that now, Brother Bram says, it's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve. Now, what does that mean, all legal possession? It means you have a right to every promise in the word of God. All legal possession is yours. And that's why God's trying to get that to you. I, I was talking to my dad last night. He came through town because he's heading for an operation. He's got a back operation in the hospital. My dad's a, you would call him a, I don't know what you'd call him. You'd call him, I guess, a, uh, some sort of a believer. He believes a little bit, you might say. Uh, he doesn't speak against the message, but he doesn't really see it. It's not quickened to him yet. And, uh, and so we were talking last night, and he says to me, he says, Tim, why, why, I don't understand why God doesn't heal me. My back problem. I says, well, I says, on what basis do you think God would heal you? He says, well, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Ask anything in my name and you shall have it. I says, okay. Does that apply to everything? Like you can ask for a million dollars and that's yours? Well, I've asked. He says, I says, did you get it? No. I says, yeah. I says, uh, on what basis are you asking? He says, well, what do you mean? I says, well, what makes you think God wants to heal you? I'm just kind of playing the devil's advocate now. And I said, what makes you think God wants to heal you? Well, I don't know. It says ask. I says, yeah, but the Bible also says when you ask to, to heap it upon your flesh, you ask amiss. I says, the book of James says, when you, you have not because you ask not. When you ask, you ask amiss that you may heap it upon your own lust. So you're asking for something in the flesh. I said, that's something that won't happen. So I says, why are you asking God to heal you? And he was stumped. I knew he'd been to church all of his life. And I was just trying to prove a point to him because what I was building to is faith comes, faith comes by hearing the word. Okay, If you're not feeding on the word, you're not going to have any faith. And if you don't have any faith, you've got nothing to believe with. All right. And so I was building to that. So I said to him, I says, on what basis will God heal you? He says, well, I don't know. I says, well, if it was me, 
I would look at the book of Psalms 103 and says that he's a God that heals all my sicknesses and diseases. He's a God that forgives all my iniquities. I might look at Mark 16 that says, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. I might look in the book of James that says, If anybody calls for the elders is sick, call for the elders of the church, anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I might look to Isaiah that says, He's wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I says, There's got to be a basis on which... You're asking. There's got to be an understanding, a revelation of why you're coming to God. Because if you don't understand why you're coming to God, then you can't have faith to ask what you're asking for. But God comes to reveal himself in us and to quicken himself to us and show us exactly what it is that he wants us to walk in in this hour. Amen. All legal possession is yours. Every promise in the word is yours. And so God comes through the message of the hour to put us back in the word of God, to restore the word of God, to reveal the word of God, to give us the right attitude towards the promise of God. All of these things that we might walk in perfect faith of what the word says we are. Amen. You with me so far? All right. So Brother Brown's saying it's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve. Now, that's a great statement. And often we quote a quote like that. But there's going to be a couple of quotes here that I'm going to give you the context of the quote. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to the breach message. Is this okay this morning? It's just some... Basic teaching, you might say. Now, in the breach message, Brother Branham begins the thought as he's talking about the corruption of the world. And this is 1963. How much worse is it in 2021 as we come to the end of this year? And he, and he talks about, you know, what America was before the white man arrived. And, that, and the native Indians and those things. He says, it's a stain on the American flag what they did to the American Indian, he says. He says, he says remember, we've sowed and now we're going to reap. That's the law of God. There's a planting time and then a harvest time. And I think that it's too bad. Yes, sir. He says, now what happened? The polluted seed of Adam has polluted and absolutely destroyed the land. Do you know the Bible says that because he has did this, the polluted seed of Adam, God will destroy them. Okay, and so and then he goes to Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, where it says that they will destroy, they must destroy the earth. And I'm just paraphrasing a little bit to save time. You can read it. It's page 85 of the breach message. Now, he says, what are they going to do? Reap what they sowed. Sure. When you see sin running through the street, and then he talks about different things. How many adulteries were committed in this city tonight or will be committed in this city tonight? How many women will make their, break their marriage vows? How, how many abortion cases I think are recorded in Chicago in 30 days? It's between 25 and 30,000. And how much whiskey is drank and so on and so forth. How many times did they take the Lord's name in vain right in the city of Jeffersonville today? And so on. 
He says, you see, we have absolutely polluted the earth with our filth. God will destroy those that destroys the world. God said so. That's the context. And then he talks about some things in Florida, same thing. But then he says, but remember, the Bible told us in Matthew, the fifth chapter, that the meek shall inherit the earth. That's right. The meek and humble will inherit the earth. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, the simple ones that just don't try to be some great big something. They shall inherit the earth. Jesus said so. Yes, now they've polluted them and polluted it and God will destroy them. But the meek will inherit the earth after it's been purified. Can you say amen to that? So then he, then he goes from there and he says, now the title deed, the forfeited title deed is now in the hands of the original owner, almighty God. The title deed to the earth, to eternal life. When Adam forfeited, then Satan's dirty hands could not take it. So it went back to its original owner, God himself. What's it doing in the hands of God? Waiting for redemption claims. Amen. He made a way of redemption. He made a way back. And someday the redeemer is to take it back. And then he... he, he he continues on. He says, waiting for redemption. And then he talks about the abstract and how that it's a, you know, it's a total uh, uh, nullification of all sin. I don't want to read the paragraph because that'll take us another direction. But then it comes to the place. It's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve. All right. Now you see the context. Okay. He's saying, listen, the world is polluted. It's corrupt. It's it's, it's in a very, very bad shape, and it will reap what it has sowed. They will reap what they have sowed, fallen race of humanity, but there'll be a meek that will inherit this earth. There'll be a people that have a right attitude. There'll be a people that are the elect of God. There, there is a people that will be quickened by the word of God, and they are the ones that the Lamb has redeemed the book for. Amen. All right, you with me so far? We're blessed to have this message. We are blessed. I, I was thinking, I was rejoicing just driving here this morning. I had, I had a bit of a longer drive than normal to church. Usually takes me about three minutes to get to church. Took me about an hour and 20 today. I came up through Bellingham. I wasn't sure if all the roads were open, you know, and, and so I just came around that way and, and they are open. And so not all. Okay. That's good to know. I'll ask somebody before I leave the right way home. But you know, what a, what a message we have. I was just thinking in the car. I was just, Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for the one I'm listening to, but thank you for the message in general. Thank you for the light of the hour that has come to give us instruction as the elect of God to show us the way that we should walk in. Are you with me? This is your way. It's not just... You're not walking in the way of a church. This is divinely revealed. 
Matter of fact, Brother Branham uses the word divinely revealed only three times within the message of the hour. And it pertains to, uh, it pertains to the opening of the word. In the, actually, in the Mark of the Beast in 1954, Brother Branham says, I want to stand like Paul of old. I'm free from all men's blood. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Just as I see it. And if I'm wrong, then God forgive me. These things never come. And he stops. He says, I never went to a sem any seminary. Never went to any school. Never took anybody else's word about it. I went straight into the Bible in prayer. And this is divinely revealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to catch this because I'm going to deal with the authority here in a little bit. But he says, this is divinely revealed by the Holy Spirit, the same angel of God that directs me to see visions and so forth like that and the healing of the sick. All right. So he's saying now what I'm preaching is divinely revealed the same as the visions, the same as the healing of the sick. Are you with me? All right. So a prophet of God is standing there and saying, now, if you don't want to believe it, that's up to you. But this didn't come from my understanding. Brother Branham only had a seventh grade education. These truths come divinely revealed. He says, and you judge by whether it would be, you judge, and you can judge by that whether it would be true or not, he says. All right, so that's 1954. 1962, just before the opening of the seals, he goes into the message, sirs, is this the time, or is this the sign of the end, sirs, is the long form of the title. And, uh, and so he, he says, and he's talking about mysteries that are to be revealed. And he says, here's the mystery. A mystery is a scripture, is a previously hidden truth, now divinely revealed. All right? That's important because this message is not understanding. This is divinely revealed mystery truth. All right. So divinely revealed, he says, but which is a supernatural element still remains despite the revelation. So notice that now the mystery is revealed, but there's still a supernatural element to it. In other words, the word is open, but it's not open to everybody. The word is open, but it's got to be open to you personally. A prophet comes and God speaks his word and the prophet speaks what God told him to speak. And now that's a divinely revealed mystery truth. But yet in the midst of all of it, it has to be open to you. I could say it to you. Brother Branham could say it to you. You read it in the message, but there's a supernatural element to it because there's a predestinated seed gene within you that this divinely revealed mystery truth was to unlock something within you personally. Amen. That's what the preaching of the word is for, is to bring this element of faith within the believer and cause you to be quickened to that which you really are. That I'm not just the son of, of Gerald and Dorothy Dodd. 
I'm just not the, you're not just the son of Tom and Joanne Ray. You're not just the son of this one. You're not just the daughter of that one. You're not just their child. No, it's a divinely revealed mystery truth that you are a part of. Hallelujah. You're a part of it. You're not just the son of Joe and Eileen Waldner. You didn't just happen to come to this church. You didn't just happen to be a part of this family. That's the divine supernatural part that comes to you individually that says, this is your message. This is about me. I'm not subject to someone else's failings. I'm not subject to someone else's mistakes. I'm not even subject to my own mistakes because there's a predestinated seed laying in here and the word has come to quicken that. The word has come to make that alive in this hour. Amen. We'll get to this, but that's what Brother Tom was saying on Wednesday night. You know, it's maturity time. It's a time of standing in the truth of the revelation of what we are. What we are is not Cloverdale Bibleites. Come on. What we are is not this group or that group. What we are is sons and daughters of God who are walking in the revelation of an open word that's bringing us into the footsteps of the righteous that are ordered of God. Hallelujah. We're seed gene of God. And our, our, our worldly thoughts of human limitations are falling by the wayside. Hallelujah. Still with me? And then Brother Branham adds in the, in the church age book, he says, now this messenger of Malachi 4 in Revelation 10, 7 is going to do two things. One, according to Malachi 4, he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Two, he will reveal the mysteries of the seven thunders in Revelation 10, which are the revelations contained in the seven seals. It will be these divinely revealed mystery truths that literally turn the hearts of the children to the Pentecostal fathers. Or in other words, take us back to the original word. Amen. That's what God's doing. He's taken all the man-made out of it, everything that the devil's tried to add to it through the ages. So, I guess I could say, I said all that to say this. If the sealing of the book kept you from knowing who you are. Then I'll say, God withholding those revelations held us from who we are. Then I'll also say, taking your eyes off the book will also deceive you. Now that the book is open, to take your eyes off the book will also be cause you to fall short of who you are. The book's open, but you've got to feed on the book. As John heard, you've got to eat the book. You've got to become one with the book. Everything that the devil devises in this hour is to distract you. Take your eyes off what God's plan is for you. We're all subject to it. We're living in a highly communicative, I don't know what's the right word, communicative, uh, an age of high communication, an age of obsessive communication, an age of, of, of uh, uh, tidal waves of communication, where the devil wants to overflow you 
with every form of communication from every possible media. He, he allowed or inspired science to break into the internet where some of you are enjoying the internet this morning. They're enjoying it in Cloverdale. They're enjoying it in their homes where they can't get out to church and those kind of things. That's all right. But that's not the great, that's the great part of it. But there's another part of it and that the Satan, Satan wants to overflow you with social media. I could spend all afternoon on that. Everybody knows my opinion of social media. I don't need to tell you my opinion, but I'll just say the devil wants to distract you. He wants to distract you by what other people are doing. He wants to distract you by somebody else's failings. You say, well, oh, you know what? I, I, I look on social media as an inspiration or I try and live my life on social media. Yeah, well, as much as somebody might say, yeah, they're living for God on social media. There's also another one that's falling away from God on social media. Don't tell me that's not true. I've heard about it. I don't have to be on social media to know that. There's all kinds of things that the devil wants to distract you from who you are because the book has been opened. And God wants to show you who you are. But the devil wants to distract you from who you are. The devil wants to, to, to tell you, think. That's why I've, I even, even have said, you know, many times that, you know, there's no such thing. There's all kinds of perversion in this hour. There's no such things as a transgender man or woman. There's no such thing. All right. There's no such thing as a homosexual man. And there's no such thing as a lesbian woman. It's a transgender demon, a homosexual demon, a lesbian demon. It's all kinds of demons that are trying to put thoughts into the minds of people and tell and get them to think about things in a certain way. I'll tell you what. You say, oh, well, I'm a son or daughter of God. Yeah, well, you also have a flesh body. And sometimes you just got to cut the devil off. Sometimes you just got to cut the devil off and just say, I'm not going to look anymore. Somebody say, man, I'm not going to feed on that kind of stuff anymore. You know, Solomon got looking at all the wisdom of the world. What did it do for him? Solomon was the wisest man in all the world, and he gave himself to understand all things. But in, in feeding on understanding all things, it began to distract his mind from his calling in life. And it began to lead him to strange women. And it began to lead him to strange events and strange rituals and all these kinds of things. Till God broke the kingdom because of Solomon dabbling in sin. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Don't feed on those things. Break them off. So how do I do it, Brother Tim? Renounce those things. I just go back to Brother Bradham calling out to the soldier boy. Renounce those things. That's just the devil lying to you. Trying to tell you you're something that you're not. And then when he prayed for him, God set him free. Why? Because he wasn't that. The devil tried to tell him he was that, but he wasn't that. Hallelujah. Just a lie of the devil. 
Listen, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, in the last days, God will send them, for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now I want to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. I, I think the Amplified Bible has a lot of problems. And be careful what you read out of the Amplified Bible. But I, I like the way they put this scripture. I'm just saying you make sure it agrees with the King James Bible is what I'm saying. It says, this scripture in the Amplified says, Therefore God sends upon them a misleading influence and a working of error and a strong delusion to make them believe what is false. Now that's a little simpler English for us. That's the hour we're living in. All right, because they don't love the truth, the Bible says. God sends the truth, but because they don't love the truth, God sends them a misleading influence, just an influence in their lives and a working of error and a strong delusion to make them believe what is false. Uh, it was just not too long ago. I, I don't know if I said this over the pulpit here, but I was, I was pondering that scripture. I was talking to a brother. I said, you know, uh, it just fries my mind that, that people believe lies in this hour so easily. Things that are just so obviously lies. It doesn't matter whether it's political lies or whether it's medical science lies or whether it's this lie or that lie, scientific or, or conspiracy theories or whatever else it might be. Everybody's believing something. I, I was just kind of going on a rant a little bit. He says, well, you know, God said he'd send them a strong delusion to believe a lie. And that's what the world's under. It's not just the truth that they don't believe and, uh, and the lie pertaining to the truth, but now because they're under strong delusion, they believe all lies. They've got no resistance to lies. It's like, oh, well, that's their truth, and that's their truth, and this is my truth, and that's your truth. They don't even understand the meaning of truth. Lord, have mercy on us. I was reading an article the other day. Is this okay? Still with me? Amen. I don't get down here very much to see your faces. It's good to see your faces. I was reading the other day, Brother Brown mentions a show in his day. A lot of you can't relate to this. I saw the show when I was growing up called I Love Lucy. Uh, I think Brother Brown sometimes referred to it as I Love Susie sometimes, but I Love Lucy was the show, and it was just some kind of harebrained, uh, supposed to be a comedy show and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, and they show you certain things on the show, and it's supposed to be, oh, you know, have all kinds of lessons, you, you know, that teach the people and all kinds of stuff. But I was reading the other day of the reality of the perverted lives of the people that were on that show. And this was a, what they called wholesome. This is what everybody was watching. Brother Brown says, you stay home Wednesday night to watch I Love Lucy. So this is what people and denomination in those days, the Pentecostals and so forth, they were being distracted from church by something that was catching their attention that they thought wasn't doing them any harm, but it was actually demon-possessed people that were living perverted lives, acting out a fable 
on the television and influencing their lives. And they couldn't figure out why the church is getting worldlier and worldlier and worldlier. Is Brother Brown says, because you think on worldly things too much. That's why the church is getting worldlier. Oh my, he says, there's so much we could say about those subjects, but I got, I got to get to the point that I, I got to get to my subject, which is meekness. The meekness of perfect faith is what we're speaking of in these end times. And meekness is not, I don't want to deal with just meekness, but I want to deal with meekness as it pertains to the hour that we're living in. Because just meekness that stands by itself, you know, Brother Brown talks about the Pharisee talking about the priest saying, oh, the priest, he's so meek and he's so gentle. And, you know, this Jesus, he's so rough and all of these kind of things. It depends on how you paint the picture. So there's, there's certainly ways to deal with meekness. But I was reading an, a, a pretty good definition of meekness. And it, and it was saying, as towards God, meekness, and this is you, meekness, the meek shall inherit the earth. As towards God, therefore, meekness accepts his dealings without murmur or resistance as absolutely good and wise. God deals with us and meekness says he knows what he's doing. Meekness says whatever God brings by my way, he's got a purpose in it. Come on, meek. Amen. You say amen to that? Amen. It might not be easy, but he knows I can handle it. It might take me through the fire, but he's with me as I go through the fire. Amen. It might lead me through the valley of the shadow of death, but his rod and his staff, they do comfort me. Amen. amen. Meekness accepts his dealings without murmur or resistance as absolutely good and wise. That's the attitude of meekness towards God. Now toward men, meekness accepts opposition, insult, and provocation as God's permitted ministers of a chastening demanded by the infirmity and corruption of sin. And then it talks about Jesus, who was meek and lowly. It says, who patiently, who bore patiently the contradiction of sinners against himself, forgiving and restoring the erring in a spirit of meekness. Now, those are a lot of words. But what is, what is it saying? It says, meekness knows I'm going to endure hardship and opposition from other people. And you know what meekness says? I'm going to forgive them. Amen. Are you with me? I'll prove it to you in the scripture in just a moment here. But meekness says these are predestinated trials from God. And though they come in the human realm from other people, I'm going to confess them as from God. You know, David one time was coming from uh, Jerusalem, having been the result of his own sin and being cast out of the throne. And he's leaving Jerusalem. And there's one, 
uh, that comes, uh, his name will come to me in a moment, but he comes throwing stones and dirt at David and from the kind of the outside of the, the group that's around David with his bodyguards and such. And, and he says, oh, you're a bloody man. You've said so much blood and you've killed the house of Saul and you don't deserve to be king. Now God's heaping it upon your head and you deserve all of this. Listen, the devil does that to us sometimes. Come on. The devil says, you're going through this because you deserve it. Okay, you all, you all got too strong a halo. I get things where it happened in my life and the devil tells me, Tim, you deserve that because of all the mistakes you made in life. All right, can you amen for me? All right. You know, you deserve that because, you know, you, you done this or you done that or you said this or you went through that or you were too hard here or you were too soft there or this happened or that happened. Listen, there's all kinds of imperfections that we can look at our own selves. Amen. And the devil tells you, you deserve that. And here's this man heaping these things upon David. And David's in the middle of his bodyguard. And the bodyguard is like the angels of the Lord. And, and, and the bodyguard, I think it was Abishai or somebody says, I, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to go take this man's head off. And David, in all meekness, says, no, you're not going to do that. He says, I don't know if I deserve this or not, but if I deserve it, then God will make it to my benefit. But if I don't deserve it, then God will bless me because I don't deserve it. Amen? See, David took the right approach. No, I'm not, not going to deal with this man. He had the right kind of an attitude towards it. All right, now take your Bibles. We're going to look at a few scriptures here. Galatians chapter 6. I'm just kind of... I'm almost feeling too relaxed this morning. You know, I want to, we need to just push through and I, I feel like we don't get much time together. Is this all right? Yeah. You know, we, we just, we just have us this time together. I might not be in the States again this year. And this could be it for this year. And so you just bear with me just a little bit. Galatians chapter six and verse one, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Amen? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another, for every man shall bear his own burden. All right, so, so Paul, right into the Galatians, he says, if somebody is overtaken in a fault, you don't go to him and tell him, you deserve that, you knucklehead. Look at what you did and look at the mistake you made and look at what a mess you've made now and all of these kinds. Of, he says, that's not the way to do it. He says, those of you that are spiritual, not everybody, but those of you that are spiritual, he says, now you go to one in a spirit of meekness and restore him considering yourself lest you come into 
fall into temptation. But now where, where is this coming from? Turn back. And you might not have to turn. It might be on the same page. But in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Now Paul writes here the fruit of the Spirit. Now remember the chapters in the Bible are arbitrary breaks in the Scripture. They actually flow from one to another. It's one complete letter to the Galatians. It's afterwards they put in the chapter numbers, okay? So these, script, these verses are the context of the verses that Paul just spoke. So he says, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. For they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Then he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. So he just finished describing them which are spiritual. All right, them which are spiritual will have this fruit. Them that are spiritual, they will walk in the spirit. They will live in the spirit. They will have the right attitude round about them. When somebody else falls away from the true line, they're not there to criticize them. Can somebody say amen? amen. They're there to restore him. They're there to help him. If that's possible, that's their desire. And if it's not possible, it's not up to us. We're not the judge. God is the judge. Amen. All right. So the spiritual is the ones that were walking in the spirit. We don't have to turn to it. Romans four talks about uh, how that he's the father of circumcision to them. Talking about Abraham, who are not of circumcision only, but also but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. We're walking in footsteps here. We're walking in the spirit. And when you're walking in the spirit, you're walking in the footsteps of Abraham. Brother Branham talks about, you know, and I, I quoted it last time, how that the bride of Jesus Christ was walking in the spirit, how that it was walking uh, you know, according to the beat of onward Christian soldiers, he says, but there were those that were marching to a different beat and it was rock and roll. And they had actually become naked. And I, I don't have time to spend on this. Maybe I'll preach a service on it sometimes. But I was thinking about Brother Neville talking about Moses and Aaron, how that Aaron, how that he was a, uh, a type of the ministry and Moses being the prophet, how that the prophet would speak and Aaron would deliver it to the people. Is that right? And I thought, well, that's a good type. And, and uh, but then I got to thinking about Moses up on the mountain and Aaron down with the people, how that they were all under the message of the hour, but they, the people began to say, we don't know about this Moses and we don't know what happened to Moses and we don't know what's become of him now on that mountain that shakes and is on fire and all of these things. And so Aaron, you give us something to worship. And so Aaron reached into his own mind and made a golden calf. Is that right? And the people began to worship and the Bible says, and the people rose up to play and 
the Bible says, Aaron made them naked to their own shame. Now, just a second here. It doesn't say Moses made them naked, but Aaron made them naked. Why did Aaron make them naked? Because they were not worshiping in the revelation of the word of the hour. It was a minister teaching the people to worship without the message. And that produced nakedness. Now, Brother Branham, in the vision of the bride, the Church of America says she was naked, dancing to the beat of rock and roll. What had made her that way? The ministry had walked away from the prophet and had made the people naked to their own shame. Brother Branham said it was shameful to see her in that vision, and it was a vision. And, and how that she was marching like that. Oh my, he says, is that all we have been able to do? But then there came another people. Hallelujah. There came another people that were marching to the beat of the word of the hour. They were staying with the message of the hour. They recognized their day and they recognized the message of their day. I have to get off that because I want to go to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers. Still with me? Amen. All right. Now, let me just say, Brother Neville made another comment. <laughs> I was really biting my tongue because I didn't want to interrupt him. Because he said, the Gentiles have never had a prophet. And I said, no, sorry, that's not true. And sorry, Brother Neville, if you hear this, but I'll explain myself here now. The Gentiles have had lots of prophets. Okay, look, just look at what Brother Brown said about St. Martin. He was a genuine prophet. Okay, but I think what Brother Neville was trying to say is that the Gentiles have never had a word prophet. Okay. I think because he, he went to Moses, he went to Paul, he went to Brother Branham. Okay, that is a prophet that is called to reveal the word to a new level. Moses wrote the Old Testament, the, the Levitical law, the law in, in the Old Testament. Paul divided law from grace and Brother Branham brought the mysteries. All right, so we, that on that level, those are the three major prophets throughout time. There's been lots of prophets. Does that surprise you? He ascended up on high and gave gifts unto men. He sent some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's been lots of prophets. You know, but just because somebody's a prophet doesn't even mean that I want to follow him. Well, Brother Tim, don't you want to follow a prophet? Well, Balaam was a prophet. I'm just not interested. Sorry, but... You know, there are prophets that go off the word of God, just like there are ministers that go off the word of God. All right. So, so what I'm trying to show you here is that these are three significant ministries that were sent for a specific purpose and God watched over them as you'll see just in a moment here. All right. So let's look at Moses now in Numbers chapter 12. Well, forgive me. I'm just going to take time here. Oh my, we're, time is running away on us. Amen. You give me another... Five minutes? Amen. All right. How, about, how many would give me five minutes? All right. Thank you. 
it's, it's, you know, it's about 500 minutes altogether. Okay. Now, it says in verse 1, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Imagine Aaron, the man who before this, in Exodus chapter 33, caused the people to become naked, made the golden calf. And now he's rebuking Moses, saying, has, has God only spoke through Moses? Not a lot of self-awareness going on here. Can I say it that way? Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? Now this is important. And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, leprous, white as snow. Aaron looked upon Miriam and said, Behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech you, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. I'm going to stop there for a moment. This is verse 12. What has Moses said so far? Nothing. They're, they're sitting there making fun of Moses' wife. Because Moses' wife, being an Ethiopian, uh, a, a woman that was not of Israel, and they said, Moses, you wrote the word, and you know the word says that we're not to marry outside of Israel, and then you go and marry this woman, and you know, what kind of a preacher can you be? You got this kind of a wife, and you, you're, you're living this way, and you're trying to preach this message, and you know, you think God speaks only through you, and, and, and you know, God also speaks through us, and you ought to listen to us, and so on and so forth, and they were just, we call it ragging on Moses. Weren't they? They were giving him a rough time. And what did Moses answer? Nothing. Because Moses was meek above all the men that were upon the earth. And Moses, old Moses could have done a lot. Old Moses that killed the Egyptian could have done a lot. And I want you to notice something here, even of God's three great prophets. And I call them God's three great prophets. Moses, Paul, and Brother Branham. Moses was a murderer. 
Paul, Brother Branham says, was a murderer. Brother Branham said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have been a murderer. These men were not just great, perfect men in them own selves. They were chosen for a certain position in the body of Jesus Christ. And God speaking about Moses, he says, just a minute here, Miriam. Just a minute here, Aaron. I want you to understand something. Aaron's representing the ministry, but Miriam, the woman in the Bible, represents what? The church. So there's the ministry and the church saying, oh, has God only spoken by Moses? What a type of these last days. Oh, you know what? You know, we, we believe that there's more than just what Brother Branham spoke. Really? Now I'm starting to sound like Brother Tom when I use the term, really? <laughs> you know, people get an, an attitude in their lives and, they, and they, they begin to think, oh, well, I am so revelated and God is so ministering through me and God has done so much to me. That's nonsense. Yeah, God might give somebody a vision. God might give somebody a dream. God might deal with somebody spiritually. But as soon as you begin to speak against what God has chosen as his chosen vessel. Listen, when Paul was down there sitting on the wayside after he's knocked off his horse, Ananias was told to go down and, and pray for him. And, and Ananias says, oh, no. He says, I can't go and pray for this guy. He's against the church. He's a murderer. He's consenting to the death of Stephen and all of these kind of things. And God says, but I have chosen chosen him. Amen. I have chosen him for a purpose and I will show him what he's going to suffer for my sake, but he's my chosen vessel for this hour. You go down and lay hands on him and the scales came off of his eyes and he began to serve the Lord, a prophet to the Gentiles, a prophet to the Jews, and a messenger of the covenant to take law and show the people grace. Why? Because God had chosen him for that purpose. But the same man in his position, Paul, walking through the city, I think it was Corinth, and a demon-possessed girl began to, began to call after them and say, you know, uh, she was a fortune teller and they would, they would use her for money because she was demon-possessed and she began to call, oh, this is, these are the men of God and they've come to show us the way of life. Not a very good recommendation to be recommended by a demon-possessed woman. And so it was grieving Paul. It was grieving Paul. But he held his peace until God said, all right, now you can rebuke it. And then Paul rebuked it and it left the woman. And then there was a lot of trouble. Brother Branham had to come to that place in his life. What is the place? A place of knowing that God is with you and all you need to show is meekness. Because I don't fight for myself. God fights for me. You don't fight for yourself. You don't even fight for the church. God fights for his bride. God will put everything in order. God will bring it to pass. God will expose the evil and expose the good. Amen. We don't have to take it upon ourselves. So there was Moses and he's listening to all of this railing now and, and everything that they spoke against him and everything. And then now they realize how wrong they are. And they said, Moses, Aaron says, pray for Miriam. 
And the Bible says in verse 13 says, and Moses cried unto the Lord saying, rebuke her God because she said a lot of evil things about me. Is that what he said here? No. He says, heal her. Hear, heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. In all humility, in all meekness, recognizing his own self, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The Spirit of Christ on display. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Old Moses, in his old temper, might have rose up against him, speaking against his wife, but he approached them in meekness. Meekness recognizes that people will criticize me, but it's for a purpose. Meekness will recognize me. What people say about me is not important, but what God says about me is important. And Moses stood there as God said to Miriam and as God said to Aaron. Now think about it. Wouldn't you like God to say these things about you? Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house. I speak to him mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches. In other words, we have a conversation, Moses and I. We, we talk straight. I don't use symbols and types and, and shadows with him. I talk to him plainly, and he talks to me plainly. He says, why weren't you afraid to talk about it? Now, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll ask Moses, but I'll ask Moses, was it worth it when they said those evil things about you and your wife to be able to hear God say those things about you? Hallelujah. I'd love it if God said those things about me. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. That's the kind of attitude that I want to have. If it takes a hardship, if it takes somebody speaking against me, to let God speak good on my behalf, I say, let him speak evil against me. All right, we're up to three amens on that one. We're gonna keep preaching here. If that's what it means to have God speak good about me, I say, let them speak whatever they wanna say. Let them say whatever they want to say about me. Let them say whatever they want to do about Brother Tim. Oh, you know, somebody said to me, I think I've said this before, said, you know, oh, Brother Tim, you know, you have to be careful in Uganda who you associate with because, you know, they, they, some people don't like this one and some people don't like that one. And, and I, I just said to the brother, listen, I know what God has shown me. And people will speak against me anyway. It doesn't matter if you go this direction or if you go that direction, somebody's gonna say something bad about it. I said, so I'm not gonna be worried about that. I just wanna be know that I'm led of the Lord to work in the way that I'm working in Uganda or in any of these other places. Because if God blesses it, then God is in favor of it. 
Amen. And if we see the blessing of God upon these things, as the Bible says, then if God be for us, who can be against us? Or as I preached or heard someone preach recently, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Amen. And so we recognize that this is the attitude of meekness. It takes a revelation of who you are in the last days. It takes a walking by perfect faith in what the word says you are to be able to approach life with a measure of meekness. I know what God called me to do. Now, if I'm out of place and somebody's going to speak evil against me, I'm going to be defensive because I've done that according to my own labor. But if I'm walking in the perfect will of God, if I'm staying in the center of God's will and somebody has something bad to say about it, then they're not saying it about me. They're saying it about God. Because it is God that told me to walk this way. It is God that told me to do these things. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Can you say amen to that? Amen. So we see all of these things. You know, even as I bring it down to a close here, I want to talk about the, the, um, the Apostle John, a prophet, uh, also to, in the book of Revelation in chapter 5. As he's there now and he's, he's seeing the redemptive plan of God unfold in the last days. And he hears the cry go out, who's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And, and the, the, the cry goes out and, and no man was found worthy in heaven and earth or under the earth. And John begins to weep. But the angel says, weep not, John, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. Is that right? And so he hears a proclamation. Now, John, the lion has prevailed. And he turned as, it, as the Bible says, let me just read it the way Brother Branham says it here. He says in Revelation chapter five, part one, he says, so then the elder went forth, weep not for the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed, conquered. In other words, he's worthy to take the book, amen. Remember, he hadn't seen him up to this time. He was seated on the throne in there, God's throne. He was on the inside of the sanctuary. He hadn't seen him till this time. So John was expecting to see a lion come forth, but he saw a lamb. There you are, brothers, through meekness, through sweetness, through the Holy Spirit that we conquer. Not some great, mighty, intellectual giant, but he that can humble himself is the man who conquers. The man who can be kicked around and still be a servant of Christ, that's the conqueror. Amen, there's those same three amens. The man that can be kicked around and still be a servant of Christ. That's the conqueror. Amen. Amen. You're going to get kicked around. It's your response to it. It's does meekness rise to the surface or does fleshliness rise to the surface? You got you to make a decision what you're going to be surrendered to because you got a flesh that will run and rise out. Brother Branham was in a meeting. He called it the last or the final test before the opening of the word. And he's in this meeting and young people, two young people, a boy and a girl are making out, making love right in the sanctuary. And oh, the people are distracted. The de deacons can't stop them. And, and they're just doing all kinds of ungodly things. And Brother Branham tells them, please stop that. He says, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, now, you say to them, whatever you will, this is the angel of the Lord, you say, whatever you will, and it'll happen to them. 
He says, and then the devil come in and said, say tuberculosis, say cancer, say death. See, the devil was provoking his flesh. The devil, it was, you know, when you go back to when Brother Branham was going to kill those boys as a little boy, the boys that beat him up. It wasn't just that they beat him up, that he was going to shoot them. It was worse than that. They were talking about his mother and they were defaming his mother and ridiculing his mother. And he was, he, he was so angered and, and they just, uh, we would say punch the lights out of him or something, or they just beat him up something terrible. And he, and, and, uh, finally he got away and he went and got his gun and he put the bullet in his gun and, 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 and bullets in his gun. And he, he jumped out and ambushed them and they're all standing there. They were talking about him walking down the road and he jumped out on the road. He says, now, which one of you wants to die first? So you don't have to see the others die. He's serious. He's demon possessed. He's driven by demons. This is your prophet, folks. He wasn't born perfect. He was driven by a devil that he was going to be a murderer. And he, and he puts the bull, first bullet into the chamber and he pulls the trigger and it just goes click. He ejects that one and puts the next one in and it goes click. He puts the next one in and it goes click. He's wanting to shoot. The kids are scattering. Everybody knows this guy is serious. He says, I was, I was, my temper was so bad I wouldn't cry. I would laugh. He says, I was laughing hysterically. This is a demon controlled situation here. And he's laughing hysterically and he's about to kill all these kids. And, and then he says, they all scattered and no bullet went off. He says, then after they're all gone, he says, I put the bullets in. They go bang, bang, bang. He says, they're all alive. He says, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have been a murderer. Now he's standing there in the sanctuary. He has the opportunity to be a murderer. Whatever you say, it's going to happen. He's got an opportunity now to let his flesh control the situation. He's got an opportunity now to say, I'll show them who they're in the presence of. I'll show them what it means to stand before a prophet of God. Same mistake that Elisha made when the 40 children got killed by the she-bear. I'll show them what it takes. That's his flesh. And the devil's poking him. Say cancer. Say death. Say paralysis. Listen, he's a prophet of God. Whatever he says, it's going to happen. Like Moses, when he was told, speak to the rock, but he smote the rock instead of speaking to the rock. The vision said, speak to the rock, but he broke the vision, but water still came from the rock. Whatever he said was going to happen. And so now here he is standing there, Brother Branham, and he recognizes whatever I say. And he, he says, sweat is rolling down my brow. What am I going to say? He's trying to find the right inspiration. He's wrestling it out. Now to the outside observer, to you, we're, now we're visiting in his mind. But to the outside observer, you're not seeing nothing but a man standing there hesitating. He's just standing there. Why has he stopped speaking? Because the next word he says is what's going to happen. He's standing there on the authority of Almighty God in his office. And the next word he speaks, it's going to take place. 
And then it comes into his mind. I forgive you. Hallelujah. Oh, he said it changed the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit fell in the meeting. He says the young people, they stopped doing what they were doing. People might say, oh, he should have showed, he should have taught them a lesson. No, he displayed the spirit of meekness and realized that in so much as I've been forgiven, so do I forgive them also. Hallelujah. I forgive you. Him, the man that can be kicked around and still be a servant of Christ, that's the conqueror. In other words, the man that can be kicked around and still stay in the spirit of Christ. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the conqueror. Lord, help us. Are you with me? He says in another place, church in his condition, he says, look, if that dove of meekness is gone from you, brother, there's something wrong. There's something wrong when you can't bear with one another. When you can't forgive every person from the depths of your heart. No matter what they've done or what they've said, if you can't forgive them from the depths, Jesus said, if you don't forgive every man his trespasses from your heart, neither does your heavenly father forgive you. Doesn't that clean us up a little bit this morning? Doesn't that deal with us and show us what's the devil and what's God? You say, oh, oh, I'm a Holy Ghost filled believer. Uh Uh-huh. With an unredeemed flesh. Brother Branham was standing in the pulpit. A Holy Ghost filled believer. A man of God. A call to an office. Told to speak the word of God. And it would exactly happen. He was standing there and the devil was poking his flesh. Don't let the devil poke your flesh. Don't let the devil rule over your life. Don't let the devil influence you. Don't let the devil tell you what you need to do. You let God rule over your life. Amen. You let God take complete control. Brother Branham said, and then Jesus came. He says, there's always a testing time. Every son that cometh to God must first be tested, tried. Oh, I love it. Oh, I don't call for it. But after it's passed, it yields the beautiful fruit of meekness. The testing time. When the fire is hot... How every Christian down through the ages went through that testing time. Hallelujah. In meekness, Moses stood there before, as the musicians come. In meekness, Moses stood there before Miriam and Aaron waiting for one thing. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the word to speak. In that city when Paul was being annoyed by that demon-possessed girl and the believers, she was following the believers around and, 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 and he was grieving the spirit. But Paul waited for the word to speak. And in that meeting when Brother Branham was standing there and, and God spoke and said, say whatever you, you would. And, 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 and the word had spoken, say whatever you want. But Brother Branham still stood there because he wanted the word to be spoken. Not the flesh, not my attitude, not my desire, but let God's desire be manifested in my life. What people say about you and what people say about me doesn't make you any less a son or daughter of God. Amen. Nobody can put you in and nobody can put you out. Can you say amen to that? 
It's not me that decides who's a son or daughter of God. It's that predestination that lays right within your own heart. God has sent his word to quicken you. God has sent his word to raise you up into a perfect faith of what the word says you are. Then if we are walking in perfect faith of what the word says we are, we don't care what anybody says. There's just a natural or supernatural meekness that flows from the inside. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As we reach the, the end times, we realize that there, that there are things that will rise up that the devil wants to make us stumble over. Let's stand together. We certainly realize that the devil has something that he wants to say about everything. Don't let him do it. You've already been called. Let God show you who you are in the presence of God. You know, in the message Uniting time and sign. I've read this before. But why don't you just uh, sing a, play a song softly as I read this. Brother Ryan, have you got a song on your heart? Just play something there. Uh, as I, I want to read you just a last quote here. But it's a quote that we, we've read before. We've heard before. But he says, I think one of the horriblest things is to see a man or woman that's constantly complaining. I've always thought, God, keep me from it. See, that weakens faith all the time, you know. I know as they get older, each one of us, we're going to get something happen and something happen. I know these little things are going to keep accumulating. As you get older, they just got to. What's he talking about? He's talking about things happen to you. People say things about you. People say things against you. People don't like you. People misunderstand you. People are offended by you or people offend you. He says the older you get, the more that accumulates. He's like, why do these things have to be? He says, we don't want to complain. He says, that just weakens faith. He says, I think one of the most horrible things is for Satan to crown some person's life, a crabbed old man or old woman. He says, I hope I don't get to that place. I hope that I can bear it, my burdens, and get to a spot where I want my life crowned with the glory of God. His long-suffering, gentleness, peace, meekness, and filled with the Holy Spirit. We're in a pressure-packed age. COVID has brought a lot of pressure on this age. Or more appropriately, the government's response to COVID has brought a lot of pressure. There's a lot of fear that's in the minds of people. And the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail for fear. And the devil operates by fear. There's pressures at work. There's pressures in the church. There's pressures in the ministry to, with the government regulations, 
important things that the pastor has to make decisions about how to operate the church. We have extra pressures here because we have the Canada-U.S. Uh, division at the border and the things of going back and forth and all that kind of stuff. Glad to see a large Canadian representation here today. I pray the Canadian government gets a revelation so you can all come across without vaccines and that kind of stuff. That would be wonderful. I know some people got troubles with vaccines. I got to have them. I'm not for them. I'm not against them. I just got to have them because if I don't have them, I can't travel. That's just the reality of life. I got to submit myself to Caesar in that way. But you got to decide for yourself. You got to stay in the will of God for your life. You got to be where God wants you to be. You got to do what God wants you to be because there'll be misunderstandings and all of these pressures bring misunderstandings. But when somebody speaks against me, I just say, Lord, help me to stay in the right attitude towards it. Help me, Lord, not to overreact because of human pressure. And the devil says, you should say this, or the devil says, you should say that, or think about this scripture, or think about that quote. Don't think that a minister is not armed with a double-barrel shotgun that's always loaded every day that he walks around. You know, sometimes the devil really wants you to, somebody says the wrong thing and you really want to say something. You know, Brother Branham talked about it. You say, oh, Brother Tim, is that so? Brother Branham talked about the dream. I think Brother Neville mentioned it when they, what he saw in the dream vision. I can't remember which it was, but it says where the construction in front of his house. And he says he, 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 he actually in the dream punched the guy and, and, and beat the guy up in the dream. And he picked him up again, hit him again. He says, that's just so you know, you're not talking to nobody here. This is him in the dream now. He says, but when he come out of it, the angel of the Lord told him, but bypass that part because you're a minister of God. Amen. Amen. Just so you understand, in ministers, that's laying there. We're ministers, not angels. Hope you're okay with that. But you know, if God can have grace for me, God can have grace for you. Lord, keep me. Lord, keep Brother Ed. I hope you're praying for him. Lord, keep Brother Tom. Lord, keep Brother Murphy. Lord, keep all of, all of your ministers because we need their ministry. Help them not to be uh, too much provoked by the devil to go too far or to fall short. Keep them, Lord, right in the center of your word. Lord, everything they say in the pulpit, let it be your love expressed. Can you say amen to that? Let it be just the power of the Holy Spirit moving through the congregation. Let it be just God ministering to every one of our hearts. And then pray for one another. Say, oh Lord, don't let me be in disagreement with my brother and my sister. If you got disagreements, we're coming up to communion next week. I think this is a good service before communion. If you got odd against somebody, you need to go to that brother or that sister. Is that the scripture, Brother Sam? That's the scripture. You know, make it right. If somebody's got odd against you, if, if you've offended somebody and you know you've offended somebody, and then they, they're holding something against you and you know about it, just say, look, brother, I, I'm sorry I did it like that. Look, sister, I'm sorry about that. I, I didn't mean to offend you. I want you to know I'm sorry. I've had to go to people 
years after the fact. As a minister, I, you deal with a certain case and then you find out later that they are greatly offended by it. And so you go to them and say, look, I don't think I, I was wrong there, but if I was, forgive me. And if I dealt with you too harshly, forgive me for it. I don't want you to hold something against me as a body of Jesus Christ. We just want to be in love with one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for the other. Are you with me this morning? It's a good song, Brother Ryan. More like thee, Jesus may. Let's shut ourselves in with him at the end of the service. Let's consecrate ourselves afresh to him this morning. Oh, give me a heart that's filled with love and me. song we sang earlier for it reaches to the highest mountain it reaches to the high yes Lord oh the blood that Jesus from day to day, it will never lose its power. Give me the first verse, please. The blood that Jesus shed for me. Today it will never 
my troubles let not my opposition overwhelm me Lord but let meekness overflow me let me have the right attitude round about me an atmosphere Lord that people can come into and be affected by it Heavenly Father Lord you alone see the hands that are raised here in Cloverdale out over the internet Lord, you see each and every one, oh God. And Lord, you know the hearts that's behind the hands. Lord, you said you are meek and lowly in a heart. Sometimes, Lord, even though we have that fruit of the Spirit in our hearts, the devil tries to provoke our flesh. But as we heard Wednesday night, let the same Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in us. Let it also quicken our mortal bodies. Let it also bring this body subject to the Word of God. Lord, for healing, for deliverance, for attitude, for atmosphere, for ideas, for everything, Lord, let everything be brought under subjection to the Word of God that men and women, sons and daughters of God, would walk in this hour under the full revelation of the word that they are, manifesting messiahs to everybody around them, oh God. People not knowing what to do with them. As you said, they'd be mysterious to the world. Lord, when they're provoked, they don't provoke back. Lord, when they're persecuted, they don't persecute back. 
Lord, when, they, when the world comes against them, they stand waiting for what the word is going to say about the situation. Lord, may your presence move us closer in that way, in a greater way today than ever before in our lives. We realize, Lord, this morning's just a washing of the water of the word. I pray, Lord, you take these words, these scriptures, these quotes, wash every one of our lives with them, Lord. Change us and mold us and make us more like you, O oh God, as we give ourselves afresh to you this morning. Consecrate us afresh, Lord, for the cause of the hour that we live in. The cause of this hour is greater than anything we are, Lord. Let us live a manifestation of Jesus Christ in such a way that the world will see it and want to be affected by it. We give ourselves to you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we could sing that song, uh, All My Life You Have Been Faithful. I just love that song. It's so true, isn't it? No matter where we've been, his love never fails. His word is unending, but that's not this song, but all our lives, he's been faithful. I was praying last night, I thought, and I was thinking about this song, Lord, you've been faithful all my life. I'm sorry for all the mistakes that I've made, but Lord, you've been faithful. You've been true. You've seen me through everything in my life. I just want to give him glory this morning. Amen. Let's sing that. Brother Ryan, why don't you lead us? Give Brother Ryan some sound here. Yes, Lord. For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your Okay. 
Blessed be thy name, O God. You're so good to us, Lord. We praise you, O God. We lift our voices unto you, Lord. We give you honor. We exalt you, O Lord. You have been so faithful. In the midst of pressure, you are faithful. In the midst of opposition, you are faithful. In the midst of trial, you are faithful. Oh, Lord, your goodness truly is running after us, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you have time for one more? One more chorus. Amen. Blessed be. Sing that song, blessed be.
wonderful. And we give him glory. We give him praise. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Are you glad you were here? I'm glad I was here. Glad to be here with you and feel the atmosphere that you create in the house of God. Brother Steve Rivas, why don't you come and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Father, for the word today, it's, it's meat and due season for us, Lord. It's just, just what we need, Lord. We're so glad, Father God, that we are not forgotten, Lord. We're so glad that we serve a God that is rich in mercy, rich in love. When we look back in our lives, Lord, it's easy for us to connect the dots, Lord. When we were lost and undone, when we were in the world, Lord, you were still there with us, God. You didn't let the enemy, Lord Jesus, take us because you had a plan for our lives, Lord. We're so glad today, Lord Jesus, looking back, Lord, your love was so great for us, Lord. You brought us through many trials, many snares. Because, God, you have a purpose for this life, Lord. You have a purpose for your children, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed be your wonderful name today, Lord. Father, God, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to serve a loving God. It is easy for us, Lord, to submit to your word, O oh God, because after all, O oh Lord, when we see of everything you've done in our lives, Lord Jesus, what else could we do, Lord? Feel like the disciples, Lord, when you said, would you also go? Father God, where would we go? Father God, we have no place to go, but we run to you, Lord Jesus. Run to your word, Lord. It's our... It's our City of refuge, Lord, in this hour when this world is truly 
falling apart. It's been falling apart, but it's now laying in ruins, Lord. But we're so glad, oh God, that we have something that when everything will pass away, it will still be here, Lord. Still dwelling within us, Lord. Oh God, we, we have so much to be thankful for. We, we don't have the adequate words to thank you for it. So we just say, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, oh God. Oh Lord God, we, we just, we want to have this gratitude, Lord, come from our hearts, Lord, today and say, thank you, Lord. Because truly you've been a loving God towards us, Lord Jesus. That's only a reason why we can love you back. It's because you loved us first, Lord. Father God, um, we just pray for the minister. Brought the word to us. Pray that you restore the strength back to him, Lord. Thank you, Father, that there's men of God who lay before you. So you can speak through them, Lord. And that we can be, we can receive the benefit of the word, Lord. Pray that this presence, Lord, that, that we feel here will continue to be with us throughout today and throughout the week, Lord. As we feed on your word, O oh God, let the word continue to wash us, Lord. Prepare us for what's ahead, Lord. For we truly don't know what the future holds, but it doesn't really matter, Lord, because we know who holds the future. And you hold our lives in your hands, Lord. We thank you for all these things, O oh God. And we pray that you go with us, be with us the rest of today. Give your people troubling mercies, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters of like precious faith who are going through great trials, Lord, in their lives. Those that are not here with us, Lord, but would love to be here. Oh, God, we know that the, the seed of God will overcome, Lord. We know that there's a promise laying in the word for each one of us, Lord. And it says, oh, God, that thy seed shall possess the gates of the enemy, Lord. Father God, that's where we're standing today. Your, your word in us, Lord, will overcome anything, anything Satan would throw at us, Lord. Doesn't matter what it is, Lord, the word of God in us has the power to overcome that thing. And that's where we're standing today, Lord, believing. We thank you for your loving word today to us. Have your way with each life. Thank you for everyone that's here, Lord. We thank you, and Lord, we just thank you in your precious, lovely name, Lord. The name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess I have to dismiss you. That's kind of the next item on the agenda. It's been good to be here with you this morning. I sure have enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it half as good as I did, then you got something out of it. So God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. Service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
God bless you.